heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies podcast. Well, welcome again to the Growth Junkies podcast. My name is Ben Bost, and uh, next to me, or actually I should say across from me, is Kent Delhuse, and we are back at it again here in our office in downtown Boise in our podcast studio. And we thought it might be a great opportunity for us to stop and talk about uh, the year in review in a sense, right, Kent? This is uh, mm-hmm. looking back at, it was this last past weekend a year ago when pretty much everything shut down uh, because of coronavirus and the pandemic and all of the mandates that went in place, or not even mandates, just trying to figure out what was going on and how to deal with it. And our country came to a halt. So many things changed. Um, We had, I think I would be safe to say that no one probably thought we would be dealing with it this long mm-hmm. at this level. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the, the the folks like Anthony Fauci probably saw that. I don't know. But it has been a crazy year. Yeah, and there's also been broken legs. Yeah. <laughs> so so yes, I, I would be the first to say that this last year pretty much sucked. <laughs> Badly. Yes. Um, so it's been an awful year. I remember, though, like to your point, last year at this time, one mm. year ago, seeing in the news that there was this um, potential virus and thinking like, wow, my kids might get a few days off from school. <laughs> Just a couple of days. This, would be, this might be kind of nice to have a little break from school. I mean, this could go for like a week or maybe even two. Mm. And then two turned into three and four and five. And they were all like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Some kids aren't even back in school yet, Ben. Right. Not full time. It's been a year. They're kind of rolling back into school. Yeah. Going for a couple days and. Yeah. And then eventually full time. Yeah. And then all the kids in school, one of the big things is that they have uh, missed out on a lot of education and and they could set a whole generation back Mm -hmm. as far as education, especially those kids are learning how to read. And do like basic arithmetic and all that. I guess right. stopping at this stage and pulling them out of the classroom could be detrimental. So there's like these repercussions that could come around for the mm-hmm. next decades. So it's even not just that last year was hard. Right. It's the fallout that's going to continue on for the next several years, the next several decades. Um, so there's there's a lot to deal with here. And we just hit literally the one year mark and we're kind of stopping and looking at all that's happened. Yeah. And we're kind of figured it'd be a good time for us as growth junkies to kind of do the same. Have a little conversation, call a timeout. Sure. Pause, as my kids say, pit pause. <laughs> and let's like talk about like where are we and where have we come from? Because about, a, you know, almost a year ago, we also did a few episodes on this, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, we did. I think we did three episodes mm-hmm. on it. And that was pretty much why we thought it would be a good idea to come back and revisit this. Yeah. There is a lot to talk about here. Mm -hmm. We will not be able to do it all justice in the sense of, like you just brought up, repercussions and the things that are going to happen that we will see over time. Whenever there's a historic event that's catastrophic like this pandemic has been Mm -hmm. in history, there's so many things you don't learn until way down the road. Yeah, and we acknowledge that. If I remember back to those episodes, which were mm. many, many episodes ago, I think we were talking about um, looking forward and saying we might have to come back and talk about this later because we did not anticipate 
yeah. all the stuff that would happen this past year. So as they say, hindsight mm-hmm. is 2020. So we see much more clearly looking back now rather than looking forward because we had no idea that all this stuff would have happened. And then we saw things happen um, exponentially because of the political climate right. as well. There's so many things that impact. Oh, and the race relation issues, yeah, right. the fallout from that. It was like a perfect storm and all this stuff converged this last fall with the presidential election. Yeah. And everybody picked sides and we turned things into political issues that maybe ordinarily wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, masking became this <laughs> this huge political issue. So much so when you see someone with a mask on or without mm-hmm. a mask, you pretty much jump to conclusions about who they are politically. Hence the episode we did to mask we or not to mask. We did do an episode <laughs> on this. And I, I'll, I'll tell a little story. So, now it's to vaccinate or not vaccinate. Well, it is. And, and, and it all comes down to like, you know, where do you, where are you at politically? You know, it's, and even religiously now, where do you stand on this issue? And we did an episode on this not too long ago. And the argument was like, what's more important, my personal freedoms mm-hmm. or the love of my neighbor? And we sort of make decisions based on our perspective. Which one's more important, (laughs) my rights or my neighbor's rights? And so we framed that debate in that context. But now it still seems people are more polarized than ever before. Well, and so Iceland, Norway, the Scandinavian countries, Mm -hmm. a lot of them have just pulled the AstraZeneca vaccine. They will not administer it now this was in the news over the weekend because of the danger of blood clots oh man and Mm. and getting it so that's that's happened that's how convoluted the discussion gets Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go sit in a chair and and have a vaccine that could end my life because i care no because i care about my neighbor no i'm I'm not saying that that's what i believe what i'm saying is the challenging thing you have to go through in your head to decide like what how do you get to the end and make a decision on what to do or what not to do? Like yeah. th- this is not, we don't have precedent for this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's a very complex. Let's just admit that. But what we do know, what we see is that people tend to land on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm seeing. It's kind of either for or against sort of a black and white world. And so this is what drives me <laughs> crazy, Ben. <laughs> So I've told people before on this on this podcast <laughs> that I would like to th- say that I am a moderate, balanced person, you know, and by that I mean not in the medical sense, you know, yeah. or the, you know, mental health sense, but just in terms of I can't help. I see arguments on both sides. Sure. Like I read literature. I have conversation. And I say, that's a good point. And I say, well, that's a good point. You know, <laughs> But that's a good point, too. Right. So I see all this jockeying and, and argumentation. And I'm the kind of person that feels like, you know what? I can kind of see it both ways. Mm-hmm. I kind of get it. Yeah. And I, But I feel, and this is where I struggle, I feel like I live in a world in which there's not many of us out there, but I know that's wrong because mm. there's conversation about the so-called silent majority. Yeah. So there's a loud minority and they tend to occupy the airwaves. So whether on both they're sides of the conversation. on both sides, yeah. 
you know, you call them extremist, whatever, yeah. you know, for or against, but those are the ones who are the loudest. And they seem to own all the airwaves. They own the magazines and the TV shows. And it's it's always one extreme view or the other extreme view. And I feel like there's a lot of us sitting out there that watch that and be like, you know what? I'm not either or. Mm. I kind of feel balanced on this. So I want to believe that there are a lot of us out there, mm. the so-called silent majority, that eventually gets so fed up that we're going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, quiet down, everybody. Stop letting all the extreme examples have all the airwaves. Mm. Let's let some normal people talk <laughs> who maybe feel like, you know what? I could kind of see both ways, mm. like even politically. So here's one of the arguments. So like, like Jesus, you know, was Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? <laughs> right. And everyone said, well, he was definitely a Republican, you know, because he was conservative and he was traditional. Mm. Well, but then you say, well, no, he was not a Republican. He would have been a Democrat because he took on the establishment, the tradition. Mm-hmm. He took on the religious institution of his day mm-hmm. and he he cared about poor people, you know. Right. So, so which one is it? He was Jewish. Well, we know he was Jewish. <laughs> we know that. We know he didn't have a political party, so, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anybody can lay claim to him. I think that's by design. We do know he said this, that there is Caesar and there's God, mm-hmm. and they occupy different territory. Mm-hmm. So I do know this. We see what has become called Christian nationalism yeah. become front and center, mm-hmm. which is the, the conflation of the cross and the flag. It is the belief that America is a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. It always has been and always should be. And that basically the hope of the world or the hope of America is that our country remains the same. Mm-hmm. So Traditional conservative people believe that the American experiment was a success and we should leave it alone and no one should mess with it. Mm -hmm. Keep it great, so to speak. There are others who take more of a progressive view and feel like it was a good experiment, but it can be improved. It's still taking place. It's still developing. It's still unfolding. It's dynamic, not static. So the question is, what's the correct view? Is it possible? I'm just going to throw this out there. (laughs) Is it within the realm of reality that maybe it's both? Like maybe there's some static things that should never change, Mm. but there are some dynamic things that should. Oh my goodness, Ben. Maybe I'm on a soapbox here, but I think a lot of us out there believe that it could possibly be, in some universe, both of those things. It's such a challenging discussion to have when when you have to make decisions like people are being put in a position to have to make now. Yeah. Especially if you do sit in a seat like that and, and you're thinking through and you're weighing all the options and thinking about your family and your work and if you're an employer, how you're, what you're going to require your employees to do or not do and... Right. What happens if the government comes along and says everybody has to have it or you won't be able to, to buy and sell or mm-hmm. be allowed into places? Mm-hmm. This has happened in some other countries where there's like a passport that shows that you have the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. And you show up, I think it was in Italy, actually. Um, I can't remember ex- exactly, but you show up and you show your passport and they scan a QR code Yeah, that shows that you have had the vaccine. Yeah. I think personally what I want to say to our listeners is going back to those originally f- first three coronavirus podcasts. Like, we didn't know what we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. We said a lot of things in speculation. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily, ap- not necessarily apologizing for anything, but I, like at the time I go, I think I said, well, if we get to a death count of 
twenty-five thousand. Like this will, mm-hmm. I said something about that, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, we're way past that. Yeah, no one could have understood that we would have ended up here the way that we have, and it's sad every life that's been lost. Mm-hmm. And then you hear all kinds of things in the media about recounting the death toll, and was it accurate, and how do we know, and and it can be really challenging to sit and have to make a decision in a climate like you're talking about mm-hmm. and, and to find a, a balanced position. You're, if you're in a balanced position, you're going to make somebody angry on both sides. Yeah. You, you're making enemies on both. You're the hero of none. And, and we're seeing this yes. in organizations. Right. We're seeing it in families. Right. Right. Families who are going, we're not having a gathering unless everybody's vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Like people are saying, I'm not showing up. Mm-hmm. And, and so they set the precedent versus others who go, you know what, I'm, I'm wanting to take a wait and see for a couple years, mm-hmm. maybe a year or two. I want to see what happens with the vaccines, which they have every right to do unless it's forced. Mm-hmm. So this is challenging. No, it's very complex. And so what do, what do we see? So part of what we're trying to do here today is reflect mm-hmm. on it and obviously introduce some perspectives and positions like you just did a little bit ago mm-hmm. of, of what is a balanced view look like and how do you find one? Mm-hmm. But where do we go from here? Like what do we see coming and, yeah. and how do we, how do we navigate it as growth junkies? Well, all we have is what we've seen the last year. So we're, again, we're kind of speculating, you know, yeah. again, we don't know, we don't have all the information. We only see what's happening, but it doesn't preclude us from making some evaluations after a year of being in this. And so here's what I see. I see some people are like holed up in their house, angry at the world, Mm -hmm. won't let anybody cross the threshold of their doorway Mm -hmm. and won't go anywhere without like double masking and, you know, wearing a plastic suit and whatever Mm -hmm. and are darn scared, freaked out about this virus. Okay. There are others who you know, walk out freely into large crowds and scream and laugh and don't give any second thought to even wearing any mask or even keeping a social distance from other people. Mm-hmm. And they almost do it proudly. And so you have two people who are both human beings, who both have brains in their head you know, and hearts in their chest, mm-hmm. who come to very different conclusions about this thing. Yeah. One is absolutely terrified about it and gets angry about those who show no regard. And then there's others who have no regard for it and they get angry because people are so worked up about it. Yeah. Why is it that people are so, you know, it, it's uh, binary, really. It's like one or the other. Yeah. you got to be one or the other. And I don't understand that. From, from my vantage point, I think there's a lot of us that can apply some sense, some common sense to this and say, you know what? My love for my brother, my fellow man, mm-hmm. you know, and for the common good requires me to do something. I can't do nothing. But I don't have to overreact either and go crazy about yeah. this. So what's reasonable? Like reasonable. <laughs> there, there's that reasonable idea. Then it existed for centuries. Mm-hmm. But the idea of like what's reasonable? What do I need to do in this situation to have a reasonable response? So here's the truth. Over half a million people have died from coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you want to reframe those numbers or not, that that's not the flu. It's also not a fraud. Right. So So it's absolutely wrong for people to bury their heads and say this is manufactured media lying to us right the coronavirus is not real that 
is fundamentally wrong and dangerous thinking. Yes. And nobody calls himself a growth junkie should hold that view. Yeah. That's absurd. Uh, on the other hand, we've got the opposite folks who, who um, are, are thinking that this is the worst thing that's ever come. That this is going to destroy all of humanity mm. and it's going to preclude us from living and we got to shut everything down and forget the economy and forget the future and forget people's businesses and livelihoods and we need to do everything possible to like wear bubbles, you know. <laughs> that's not healthy either and that's an incredibly fear-based decision. But here's my point. Both of them are fear-based. Yeah, of course. Living in fear, and fear is a problem. Mm -hmm. It drives us. We're writing a book about this right yes, now. we are. We're writing a book on the problem of fear and how much it drives us. And here's here's perhaps where I struggle the well, most. Well, and real quick, the ironic part is we started this prior to coronavirus happening. Like right. we, were, we were on this road partly because of a lot of other things that are going on in society that are being accentuated or have been accentuated by coronavirus. Yeah. Like we're not talking at large about the mental health crisis in our country or in a majority of the West mm -hmm. that has been accentuated now by mm -hmm. the pandemic yeah. and everything that's gone on. So you're bringing up something that we were kind of setting in place as for the direction of where we will go in the next podcast, but even our conversations is this issue of fear. Yeah. It's a big deal. Right. And we've seen it uh, come to the surface tremendously through this whole last year and process yeah. of people having to deal with it and try to figure out what do I do with right. the way I'm thinking about these things? What do I do with the way my body's reacting? And I don't know why it's going on, why right. I'm having increased anxiety or feeling greater stress and these things that are happening to, it happened to everybody. Yeah. And I, I would have friends like come along and say like, I just all of a sudden hit this two week funk that I mm. drifted into. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you're not meant to deal with this much unpredictability and change. Yeah, we don't deal well with that amount of change. Change is loss. Change, it, it, by any terminology, it's loss. Mm -hmm. And we experience it. Some ex experience it less heavily than others, mm -hmm. but change is perceived loss. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of loss, a lot of Tons. loss. And, and that drives our fear. And so I think on one hand, people are, you know, they're fearful because they don't want to get sick. You know, and other people are fearful because they don't want people to control them. Mm -hmm. You know, they want government control. Yeah. So those things come to a head, but either way, it's still fear. Here's what I don't understand. What I don't understand is that um, let's talk, talk to Christians, to those who call themselves Christ followers out mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. This is what I can't understand is why we and by we I'm throwing myself in that group. Mm -hmm. Why are we so scared? Mm. And it seems like we're the most fearful. Mm. I don't understand that because we've talked about like what the Bible says and about the gospel and what Jesus taught. And the reality is all over scripture are these commandments not to be afraid. Mm. Do not be afraid. Do, do not, not fear. fear. Do not worry. And yet mm. what do we do? I mean, we're, we're, we're really, really scared. I, I read statistics. How many evangelical Christians believe in QAnon today, like a, a, a vast group of them. It's, mm. it's surreal. And they're terrified of all these conspiracies that are being driven mm. and who, who put their faith in the government, who think that the government needs to be a certain way in order for our country to thrive and for us to have, you know, freedom. I don't know about you, Ben, but quite honestly, I've been able to worship Jesus no matter who's in the presidential office. <laughs> like they can't tell me not to worship. Why would I no. be so scared? Um, and as far as freedoms go, you know, you, we live in Idaho. Okay, so in Idaho, people pack. <laughs> so the fact is they stay out of Idaho. They're not going to come to Idaho because people right. are packing here. I'm not afraid. I just don't understand why 
Christians seem to be so driven by fear. I get why the world at large is fearful because it's a scary place. And you bring up a really interesting issue by mentioning Idaho, the state we live in. Mm -hmm. So we've been here for, we're here almost four years, you like three and a half, right? Mm -hmm. And we just in the last year, I mean, people out there maybe don't understand what's taking place in this state. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are seeing an influx of people coming from other states that are still shut down, moving here. Like there's no real estate inventory. It is going bonkers. They can't keep up with expanding right. the roads and, and what's happening because of the way our state is. Mm-hmm. Like, who would have expected this? Yeah. You know, when I look at it personally and, and I think about where I sit as, as a professional and an individual dealing with something like this and going forward and help trying to help people who are, who are working through issues that they're facing, like unexpected anxiety. Mm. Just a change of location isn't necessarily going to change that mm-hmm. because anxiety is unpredictable because right. it's driven by unpredictability. Mm-hmm. And we need things that we can depend on in a time like this. So you brought up, you know, being a Christian in church and I found myself. So our church over the weekend played a video that was kind of, was like a recap of the year. And they showed a lot of different scenes. And for whatever reason, I got emotional when I watched it because I Mm -hmm. thought back to a year ago and I'm looking at this and I'm seeing all the different things and everybody had to pivot to try to just keep up. Mm -hmm. Businesses were pivoting, churches were pivoting, schools were pivoting, trying to make sense of just being able to continue on. Yeah. And there was for a little while a sense of we're together in this. Mm -hmm. That didn't last very long. No. Right. We're separate in this. That lasted until the mask conversation got so large yeah. at that point. Yep. That's when it ended. When, when that started to get politicized, mm-hmm. separation and division set in significantly. Oh, and it is palpable. There's conversations about pastors of churches are wanting to quit left and right. Well, I, I, I know people who have left. Yeah, and they're done. They are cooked. It. They are finished because trying to manage people's, even in the churches, I mean, half half the people in the church said, we're not going to come unless everyone wears a mask. The other half says, we're not going to come if you require masks. Mm -hmm. So every pastor, every leader in a church everywhere knows that half of their people are ticked off no matter what they do. Well, and what's funny about that conversation and how hot of a discussion that was, eventually I heard of a church that said they did a service that was all masked. And they did a service that didn't require I believe mask. it. And, and you know what? I'm like, what? A, that's a perfect solution in a it, sense. Why not? I think it's a better solution. And then just let people hold their conviction and feel safer. But to force them to come together and fight. Because I've, I mean, you know this, Ben. I told you the story. I, <laughs> I went to the hospital to have a little blood test, you know, recently. Uh-huh. And and so my, my grandmother passed from COVID. Now, mm. she was an older gal. She had some other health conditions. But she still died of COVID. So like I have stronger feelings about this mm-hmm. and I, I kind of have stronger feelings about wearing masks. I feel like we should. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at the hospital, the hospital, <laughs> the hospital, you know, where people wear masks all the time uh-huh. because we're trying to protect people. Uh-huh. And some Wahoo comes in the front door wearing a big red hat and, you know, cowboy boots and freaks out when they ask him to wear a mask. Mm. just starts tearing people up, screaming and hollering and threatening everybody. Totally uncalled for. Completely loses his mind. Completely. And I wanted to fight the guy. <laughs> I'm like, you're some kind of moron to walk into a hospital and think mm. you're not going to need to wear a mask in a flipping hospital. Right. 
Show some concern for other people. Put on a mask. Mm. So he almost wanted to beat me up when I told him to put on a mask. Just put on a mask, man. And he was <laughs> mad. And we almost got into it. They called the cops to stop the guy. It was crazy. But this stuff has driven people crazy. It's mm-hmm. it's almost like um, primal. Mm. Like people have become primal in their emotions mm. about this. Well, it's pushing us into that that functioning part of our brain that is kind of primal. It, yeah. It's like, how do we deal with fear? It's the fight or flight yeah, stuff. Yeah, we talked about this on the last episode about the brain. Like, how do we how do we deal with these things that, that right. come upon us like that? And they build, this one's different, and I think it built a lot over time. Right. It just continued to pile on mm-hmm. day after day, week after week, month after month, until we find right. ourselves in, like, March of 2021. Right. And going, oh. And we're dog-tired. Everyone's dog-tired. See, that's the thing. Like, the big argument is, like, States are removing their mask mandates and people are like upset about that because people are just tired. It's mm-hmm. like they're tired of this and they're like, just hold on until we get more vaccinations. And then there's a whole contingent of people that won't be vaccinated because they have you know views about vaccinations. Mm-hmm. So this is not going to end anytime soon. This is going to be an ongoing issue. But what it has done is it's exposed something in us. Mm-hmm. It's been said that you find out what people are made of when they get bumped. Mm-hmm. And what spills out of them is what they're made of. Yeah. It's what's really inside. So what we're getting is a front row view of what's really inside of people. It's just exposing something that's already there. So to me, that's what we focus on. What has this crisis done like in my life? What has it produced in me? Has it produced greater compassion and awareness? Has it produced greater strength and courage? Mm. Has it produced greater clarity on what's important to me Mm. and what's not? Has it unified my relationships or divided them? These are good questions we should be asking ourselves about what it's done to us. So I'm I'm up to address that if you're willing to address like what do you feel like it has exposed in you or created in you in me personally yeah and and then i'll go i'll go next yeah yeah it has it's it's brought up a lot in my life um so i went through some hard times a few years ago and i was just telling you ben about this earlier today that i i lost my fight for a while Mm. and by that i was just i was just sick and tired of having arguments Mm. tired of debating Mm -hmm. tired of criticism tired of the conflict the drama so I stopped. And for a few years, I refused to have conflict with anybody. Mm. I just didn't want to have any conflict. I was so done. But as I've healed and I've grown a little bit the last few years, I, the fighter's back. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm looking for a fight. Like I'm, I'm like ready to duke it out. You know, like, come on, let's do this. And so that's not all good, but it's not all bad. I mean, it is sort of who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a fighter. I like to fight mm-hmm. for a cause. Mm-hmm. So this has brought out of me a little bit of a, a fighter, and it's not all good. Like, for example, in the hospital, I did not need to engage that guy, mm-hmm. but I did. Mm-hmm. And I regret it. Honestly, I regret it. I should have not have engaged him. He might have been on something for all I know. Right. I should not have engaged Let security handle it. Let them do it. I, but I shouldn't have. So I'm learning about myself is that I'm still, I react. I still, I'm reactionary by nature. So my, my, my thing is I, I will react and then regret later my response. Mm -hmm. So I need to slow down, count to 10, whatever, slow down. And I need to return to some of the things I was doing before to not be so reactionary. Mm. I don't want to be so reactionary. I don't want to get mad so fast. I can go from zero to 100 too fast again. Mm. I used to be that way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that way still. So this has exposed some, 
I guess we'll call it sin or anger in my heart. Uh-huh. Um, I will confess to you that um, I feel really strongly about love of neighbor, mm-hmm. loving God, loving others, so that my rights matter little compared to my love of my neighbor. Mm-hmm. So with the masking thing, I've taken a strong view personally about it. I'm married to a nurse, which also adds to that. <laughs> sure. But I get mad when I walk into a public environment and nobody's wearing masks. I'm like, you don't care about me. Mm. You you are so rebellious. You just don't want to be told what to do and you will not wear a mask. You make me feel unsafe. Mm. And like you call yourself a Jesus follower, but you're not even willing to put a mask on your face. He went to the cross and died, but you won't wear a mask. <laughs> I mean, that's the stuff I'm thinking. So I'm getting mad and bitter and yeah. cynical. And I even go into church and no one's wearing masks and I get ticked. Mm. I'm like, this is absurd. So I confess that it's it's the self-righteousness mm. has been brought up a li- little bit mm. in me. It's polarized me a little bit on this one. It's pushed me further into one side over the other. Uh-huh. When I, I don't want to be there, I want to be balanced. Yeah. So it's created some bad stuff in me, but at the same time, it's brought up some good things. Um, I will say my eyes have been opened and I have greater empathy and compassion for people who are uh, scared mm-hmm. for themselves or family members. Uh, um, I'm, I've, I've become more aware of what pandemics do to the world, what they do to businesses and economics, oh yeah. people's livelihoods. Yeah. I, I, I understand more how fragile our economy is yeah. and people's livelihoods are. Right. I feel like my friends in the restaurant business and retail, people at like at Disneyland who are out of jobs. I, I just feel like I'm, 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 my eyes are open more to yeah. the fallout and the cost that people experience. So it makes me more empathetic. That's a good thing. Yeah. I think awareness is a good thing. I think I've learned a lot, you know, about, um, about what happens to people when they're under stress and mm. fear. We've learned a lot here at LTI sure. at the Institute we have. about how to best care for people when they're falling apart and when they're under this kind of stress. So there's a lot of good that's come out of this for me, but also some bad. How about you? Yeah, you use the word fragile. And I think that is something that in observing it through this last year, that is a word that's or concept that's crossed my mind a lot. Mm. The fragility of our culture, of society on a lot of fronts, not just economically, but Mm. from a diversity standpoint, from a relationship standpoint, from institutional standpoint of Mm -hmm. we don't we didn't think like how this whole thing would affect the church the way that it has yeah like we were just talking it has about split the church yeah, yeah there was a lot of division that that happened so for me personally the first thing i would say and i'll put it in this frame when you experience a crisis there there are two things that a good crisis exposes one is what you truly believe mm. and how much you can handle yeah and so for me as far as fear and anxiety going through this, I just have to admit, like, I haven't had a lot. Mm. Like, it hasn't been something that's been a common experience for me. Mm-hmm. And I hinge that totally on the fact of what I believe. Mm. And and it hasn't caused me to act foolishly. I'm just saying, like, I, I deeply in my heart believe that if I die, I go to heaven and that's better. Mm-hmm. There's right? no like, fear of death. Yeah and, yeah. and and I was, you're tested when you're put in that place right now have I been some people say like well you haven't been confronted by it you know personally and you weren't in that spot what true like Mm -hmm. okay I understand that but you still are working processing it emotionally and intellectually right and and having to reconcile everything that's going on Mm -hmm. like this could be 
this could ruin everything. Mm-hmm. Our livelihood, our business, it could yeah. bury LTI. We've had those conversations, oh, yeah. like all of that. And the handling part's another another aspect where, yeah, I got to those points of mm-hmm. two-week exhaustion where mm-hmm. it's like, why do I feel so blue and down right now? Like, what just came over me? Mm-hmm. And it, and hearing that being shared from others and then realizing it myself and going, yeah, you can only take so much. Mm-hmm. You can only handle so much, and yeah. and self care became a, a pretty big deal in the process. Mm. To be fair and honest about it, my experience of the last year has been so different than so many other people, mm. and and it has put me like you in a position of empathy. Mm. I have friends who are still dealing with situations where they've had to work from home remotely the whole time, mm-hmm. and homeschool their kids, and had a spouse that was still at work. You're trying to do a job. Mm-hmm. And your kids are trying to be schooled and they're not back in school yet. And it's how long can you do that? Overwhelming. Yeah. And and there's just so many of these examples out there that have been challenging for people Mm -hmm. to have to navigate. And um, it's been really, really hard. Yeah. And can we just agree on that? It's been hard on everybody. And I realize like it has not been as hard on me. Mm. And there's part of me that feels bad about that. Mm. There's part of me that's confused by it. And, and not quite sure what to think about that. But I look at people who like have experienced a lot of pain going through this and the mm-hmm. suffering and, and that mm-hmm. makes my heart break. Yeah. And the fact that we can't be more alongside one and the other, one another in their suffering mm-hmm. and, and, and working together to, to do that. And so there's part of me that yeah. doesn't even really know what to say. Yeah. I just know that for me, um, what I believe it was confirmed through it. There's been a few instances in my life where I've had, I've had to observe myself in a sense. Like I'm kind of acutely watching myself as I go through something. Mm-hmm. How are you going to respond to this? What's going to come out of you? Mm-hmm. And so I at least was surprised by that, mm-hmm. you know. And it's going to be an interesting next stretch because we are seeing this. We are seeing states open back up. Mm-hmm. We are seeing sporting events. You know, yeah. like I was watching the players championship golf event over the weekend and there's pretty much full galleries there yeah. almost. Yeah. And you're seeing the Texas Rangers are going to have a full stadium. I got my on season tickets to Boise state. So it yeah, seems happening. like we're progressing and moving back this direction. And yet some things will never be the same. Like I was just reading like Disneyland, they're putting some changes into place and they said likely they will be permanent. Because this may not be the last pandemic, you know, and they can't afford to shut down again for a year. And it brings us back to kind of where we started. Yeah. We don't truly know the ramifications of this yet. Right. We're going to see a lot more 5, 10, 15 years from now than we do right now. And the world probably will be different going forward. Some people say we go back to normal. Probably (laughs) never. What's normal? Well, there's no normal, but there's the common experience. I think the common experience will change. I think there will be a worldwide awareness of pandemics, mm-hmm. epidemics. I think we'll see a lot more um, interest in this, a lot more exploration and research on it. We'll see a lot more media on it. I think it'd be more preparation for the next time it happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether this happens 10 years from now, 100 years or 1,000 years, you know, the next time it comes through, that, that we'll be more ready next time. I think that the way that we interact will change. Here's what I hope doesn't change. This is what I do miss. Personal contact. Right. I feel like one of the 
worst damages of this whole epidemic has yeah. been the inability to hug my loved ones. Yeah. To, to, to high five or shake hands with somebody. Yeah. The ability to sit closer than six feet and have mm-hmm. a conversation. Sure. Uh, the ability to have a birthday party or to, I mean, just to, to be close to people that we love has done incredible damage. I feel like the isolation effects, I'm concerned that those effects are eternal or at least lifelong. Yeah. And the damage has been done. And I don't know if we'll ever feel comfortable even touching another person. Yeah, a year cements some things. It does. For sure. And I think it'll be second thoughts every time I go in to, to hug someone I care about. Yeah. Like, can I do that anymore? And I just, there are some concerns about relationships and how we need human contact. Mm-hmm. And my greatest desire here is that even though we've had a year to be ingrained in new, new behaviors, is that we will resume again the ability to have human contact. Yeah. And that we will be able to sit on a bus with other people in the same seat, mm-hmm. you know, and have a conversation, not six feet apart <laughs> on airplanes oh without masks goodness. on. Yeah. And it just for, yeah. there are people who die in rest homes cause they don't get a touch. Right. We need hugs. We need kisses. We need to hold people. We need to hug people. And I feel like that's something that we have to fight for to get back. Yeah. And we cannot let fear prevent us from what I perceive as an even a worse epidemic which is loneliness and isolation. And I think a good spot for us to end because of where we will go in the next podcast is Mm -hmm. what this will raise is and has raised is an awareness of fear for people. Mm -hmm. Even if you weren't dealing with it significantly, like I would say I I was probably one of those people who didn't significantly deal with fear through this process. Mm -hmm. Um, It's raised the awareness for me of what is going on and what people are dealing with. And so as we move forward into the coming podcast, we're going to discuss that uh, partly because of the book that's coming that we're going to release, but also the topic that it is and how important it is for us as growth junkies to be aware of this, uh, to know that it's going on around us, how we deal with it in our personal lives. So you can look for that um, coming in the next episode. We'll initiate this conversation about fear and how it functions and and operates in our lives and um informs whole societies and organizations and institutions and life in general. So we're going to be diving into that deeply and talking about it. And so we hope for you as a growth junkie that this conversation was profitable. Uh, We felt like it was important for us to go back and revisit it. And so uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more about the Growth Junkies podcast or Love and Transformation Institute, you can look at our website, loveandtransformation.org. Uh, We also have Instagram for LTI and Instagram for the Growth Junkies. Um, And then we have a book out there, The Four Dimensions of Human Health, which uh, this podcast pretty much tracks along with. It's our personal development experience uh, that you can purchase and go back and look at some of those episodes. And so we uh, hope that in the coming episodes that we do on on these topics of, of fear and loneliness and isolation, that you will find value in those. And so we look forward to bringing those to you really soon. This has been the Growth Junkies Podcast, and we will be with you next time.